The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Wednesday, June 7th, 2023. I'm Jacob Goins. Alongside me, as always, is Carter Bird here in the ESPN 106.7 studios for the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Hope you're doing well. Lots to talk about today. Uh, We got a great show on tap for you this afternoon from 2 to 4 right here on ESPN 106.7 still talking some golf because still seems to be uh, one of the biggest storylines around the sports world right now and so we'll catch you up on that we'll talk about the comments from some of the biggest players in golf including yes Rory McIlroy who uh, had some things to say about the merge of the PGA Tour and the Live Tour he had some really specific things he wanted to say about the Live Tour and so we'll talk about that today it is guest heavy again this this afternoon Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. If you remember throughout football and basketball season uh, and most of baseball season as well, he joined us every Wednesday on the show. He covers all things Georgia athletics for uh, Dogs 247. And so he is joining us again today uh, to kind of catch us up on what's going on in Athens right now. The the conversation of eight or nine games from Georgia's perspective. We'll talk to him about that as well. And so excited to get Jordan back on the show. It's been too long. Then coming up in hour number two, Austin Hannon of Bama Central joins us at 3.30. He is our usual Wednesday 3.30 guest. And so should be a great show today. We'll talk to Austin about Alabama baseball as they prepare for a Super Regional and what that will look like for the Crimson Tide. So outside of that, phone lines are open. We'd love to hear from you on this Wednesday afternoon. 334 321 1390. That's the number to put you through to us. We'd love to hear from you. Your thoughts on the golf conversation, anything Auburn, anything else going on in the sports world. If you have a comment, question, concern, give us a call. Call in, be a part of the show, and be on the line. 334 321 1390. And Carter, happy Wednesday. Hope you're doing well, brother. Doing all right, man. Uh, Obviously, it's been a very interesting last, what? 30 hours or so however long it's been since the pga uh news broke that the pga the the dp world tour and the pif uh have come to a partnership to to combine into i believe it's two entities it's certainly fascinating and we've we've heard more and more come out over time um and yeah i mean it's it's going to be a long process too, which is what I think is going to be very, very interesting. Yeah. And, and the problem with it too, is we just don't know exactly what it's going to look like. I think that's one of the major issues and, and that the confusion for a lot of the players and the fans, especially is the fact that we don't fully know what it's going to look like in the future. And 
we were talking yesterday. Of course, the news broke yesterday morning, and we were basically talking about our you know, our opinions, the fans' opinions, and everybody was floating around on what was going on. And the only thing we had heard from the players were the tweets that we had saw on social media about how they all found out via social media. And so that's what we got to talk about yesterday, but we were curious to see what the results were going to be of the PGA's meeting with the players, the players' meeting that they had yesterday in Canada. And we've got some some quotes from the players, uh, some big names in the name of golf, a PGA live tour, whatever. And from some perspectives, it went about as well as you'd think it would go. Rory McIlroy, who has been uh, the PGA golden boy, uh, whether he wanted it or not, I don't think he wanted to be on that sort of pedestal, but that's where he went. And the big quote for me, they were asking him about the money. They were asking him about the merge and what it means for the future of golf and all that. And out of all of this, the quote that stands out to me, Carter, Rory says, quote, I still hate live. I hate live. I hope it goes away, and I would fully expect that it does, McElroy said on Wednesday before outlining the possible benefits of the merger. So there's no doubt that Rory still has some very high emotions when it comes to the Live Golf Tour, the players on the Live Golf Tour, and where the money's coming from. Well, and I mean, I think that to me, that's not the most, um, the quote that sticks out the most to me. I look at his comment about him being the the sacrificial lamb for the PGA Tour, which he was. He absolutely was. They like he went out on Main Street, out in front of everybody, front of the line, tip of the spear. He was fighting this fight for the PGA Tour, and the PGA Tour. I know that they are doing some wild mental gymnastics to say, well, this is different from live because it is them, the DP World Tour, and the PIF. Uh, and the PIF is what funded live golf. Mm-hmm. So I, it's, it's interesting to watch how that has become a talking point. I mean, Rory even... I mean, I still think he's doing his – he's still participating in his role of kind of carrying the water, putting the messaging out for the PGA Tour because he said, look, I think this is where the the distinction is. This is the PGA Tour, the DP World Tour, and the PIF. That's very different from live. I don't think that's true, but I think that's what the PGA is trying, the narrative they're trying to create. So I think that's why you've got Rory out here saying some of the things that he said. But And, and there, if there's almost nobody that can be as, as more frustrated than Rory is. I mean, he we, we talked to about this a little bit yesterday, Just and everybody's talking about it right now. You feel bad. You, you feel bad for Rory, but at the same time, he had every opportunity to go and make hundreds of millions of dollars on the live tour. He didn't, well, and you can well, look at that one way or the other. If you believe him and what he said, technically he did. Because he says that he didn't get an offer from Liv. 
I don't believe that. But, I don't believe that either. But, look, yeah, I mean, he had the opportunity, but I'm not going to blame him when we are talking about a situation here where his tour didn't threaten them, but asserted significant influence on their membership and played up the fact that this is, oh, well, this is a moral stance. This is, I mean, we talk about a year ago, Jay Monahan on set with Jim Nance talking about families of 9-11, talking about how he's close. Like, he can't imagine what those families are going through. He's close with two families who lost somebody during 9-11. And, like, basically portraying, oh, like, I would never touch that money, which we know came from the PIF. It's morally wrong. It's blood money, and... There's a message he sends to his membership on the PGA Tour where he says, have you ever had to apologize for being a part of the PGA Tour? And that right there encapsulates what the pressure that these players were under on the PGA Tour to stay on the PGA Tour and how they're getting guilt-tripped, and yet Jay Monahan, as soon as... The circumstances were right. I mean, he took his seven weeks to negotiate this deal. It was himself and two other members of the PGA Tour. Um, I forget what the board is, but the PGA Tour board uh, negotiating with a few members of Live, and it sounds like there was five to seven people in the room for seven weeks. That's why they were able to keep it under wraps, and he went back on everything he said, and he's a hypocrite. And there's a really good quote that enhances that from Bryson DeChambeau, who is one of the biggest live golf to, golfers that left the PGA to go and play for live. He was asked about if Jay Monahan was a hypocrite after the PGA Tour commissioner had been critical of the Saudi-backed golf league and the players who bolted for the tour for live. And here's what Bryson, Bryson DeChambeau's answer was. He said, quote, I do feel bad for the PGA Tour players because they were told one thing and something else happened. And on our side... We were told one thing, and it's come to fruition. In the end, for me, I want the players, the fans, and the game of golf to win. So, even on the live side, you have somebody like Bryson DeChambeau, who feels bad for PGA Tour players, who didn't leave because of all the things you just talked about, Carter. How Jay Monahan and the PGA said, screw you if you go to the live, you're a horrible person, you are, you know, whatever, right? And then all of a sudden, as you mentioned, when the time was right, when the money was right, when the situations played into the favor of the PGA Tour for the litigations to all of a sudden disappear, they turned around and did the exact thing they told their golfers not to do. And it's interesting because yesterday you made the statement, and I agree with you, you said you don't know how Jay Monahan survives this as the commissioner of the PGA. And that's how some of the players felt yesterday in the meeting. They called for his job yesterday in the players' meeting. Not all of them, but there were some in that meeting. They called for his job yesterday, and and I don't blame them. Multiple players talked to Dan Rappaport of Barstool, and uh, who used to write for Golf.com. One of them straight up said, 
he can't. He cannot survive this. There's no way. And I tend to agree with him. Because, like, how? The vast majority of your tour... Well, neither side trusts you. Because the side that left to go to live... You trashed and basically told them that they were taking blood money and that they were, what they were doing was morally wrong. And then you went back on that. And the same argument, just the other side, to your PGA Tour players. You've got all these guys that you convinced to stay through moral pressure. And here you are. Going back on that. Mm -hmm. And And you didn't communicate it with them at all beforehand. Everybody was blindsided. Everybody. Nobody in that room going forward at any of these meetings can trust Jay Monet. And how could you? I mean, how could you trust the guy that's supposed to be leading you and your group of golfers in the tour that you play on every single week? How can you trust what he says or what those other two people say when... You've been lied to. You have been bold-faced lied to to your face for over a year now. And I just don't know how you can trust somebody like that. I wouldn't. I mean, that's that's like anybody in real life just lying to your face. I mean, that's exactly what happened was they were hypocritical. And I'll give Jay Monahan a little bit of credit here. Not many people are. But he, with that video that was surfacing around and floating around Twitter yesterday of a year ago where he was talking about the bad money and live, he came back yesterday and said, I believed that at the time with the information I had and the information that was provided to me, that was the statement that I felt. And yeah, he has changed his stance on it since. Obviously, I understand that. But this is pretty drastic of a change. This is not, well... I preferred this gas station, but after going to the other gas station, I think I want to go to that one better. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about somebody that was dealing with billions and billions of dollars in assets with the PGA Tour and the players and the sponsors that are a part of this. And then all of a sudden, within a seven-week period, you and two other people decided, you know what? We're going to go back on what we said. We're actually going to just come together and not, not calling it a merge. They're calling it whatever they want to call it. It's just, it's unbelievable. And it seems like now that we are over a day removed from all of this news, it seems like all of the players can realize that, like I said yesterday, six months from now, a year from now, five years from now, this will be a good thing for the game of golf because everybody's going to be playing together, we hope. Everybody's going to be playing under the same sort of umbrella, maybe not on the same tour at the same time, but everybody will be playing together. And that's what caused a lot of the the controversy when the live tour came was, well, now you've got some of the biggest names playing over in Africa and you can't watch them because it's streaming somewhere and it's not on television, right? So I think at the end of the day, the players have understood long-term, it will be better for the game of golf. But right now it's a punch in the gut. Yeah, I mean, it certainly is. I'm curious to see. I think there were some ambitious goals for the rollout and the um, the back end of setting all this up. And I don't think, I think they may have said it was going to happen in three weeks. That feels 
ridiculously fast and not feasible at all. Um, I think it's going to take time. I think we're going to see the effects of this over the rest of the year. It sounds like Liv is going to continue to play their side of or their events for the rest of this year. PGA Tour is going to play the rest of its events this year, and then we're going to see them all come together in 24. Um, yeah, it's going to be. It, this is going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. I, you have seen a drastic change in prize money on the PGA Tour since Liv started. They had to. Uh, I'm curious to see because those are only going to go up now because you have more money kind of in your back pocket with this investment that is coming from the PIF, which I guess we still don't know technically how much that is and what control the PIF has. It sounds like, at least at surface level right now, the PGA Tour is maintaining control of this agreement and that's where i'm curious yeah and that's where this quote comes in before i want to take a first break a spokesperson for the pga tour told cnn i have a cnn article pulled up it's the first one that came up they had a quote from a pga spokesperson told cnn this is not the new relationship is not being viewed as a merger but a quote partnership slash creation of a new commercial entity it's my understanding. I was watching part of the uh, No Laying Up. They had mm-hmm. a two-hour podcast on this yesterday. Uh, it's my understanding from listening to them talk about it that they're going to roll all of these different pieces into two entities under the same umbrella, and the PIF is going to buy into one the the um, the non five hundred one. 3C or whatever the the PGA Tour operates as it's a nonprofit the the for profit side they're going to buy into that and they're going to evaluate the worth of this and then the PIF is going to essentially buy into it they will make a capital investment is what i just mm-hmm. read they will make a capital investment into the new entity to facilitate its growth and success so who knows how much that's going to be percentage wise, dollar amount wise. I mean, we're talking a lot of money here and we know that this PIF and the Saudi backed stuff, they've got money to play with. There's no doubt about it. So given more reactions from the players and the, and the representatives and from us as well about the PGA and the live tour news from yesterday, if you have comments on it, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390 question of the day. When we come back and then stay tuned at two 30 Jordan Hill of dogs, two, four, seven joins us to talk some Georgia athletics, three, three, four, three, two, one, 1390. are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Question of the day here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. We'd love to hear from you, 334-321-1390. Something that has come up, and I saw this a little bit yesterday. I may have mentioned it. Uh, We didn't have a ton of time to talk about all this yesterday. Uh, But something that has been floating around that I wanted to uh, to pitch your way, Carter, and then uh, to our listeners, again, 334-321-1390. With the PGA and the Live 
quote-unquote merging, again, whatever language they want to use for that, coming together as one with Saudi money. So <laughs> I mean, that's the important thing. Something that like they're going to continue to try to distance the PGA from live. It is being very specific. It was. It's being mis. The way that it's being talked about is being misreported as a merger between the PGA Tour and Live, and it's this partnership with the PIF. Yeah, partnership. I guess is a better way Liv, to put it. But they're, yeah. This is. I don't know. It's very. It's very fascinating how they're trying to kind of pull wool over everybody's eyes and be like, we aren't merging with live we're, we're just, doing this other thing we're just taking their money <laughs> okay you're partnering with lives basically bosses yeah. we're not part we're not merging with them we're just using their assets and their money and their sponsors and everything else <laughs> whatever whatever they want to call it or whatever they come up with what happens to greg norman i don't know maybe like lives happy? I don't know. I mean, does the PIF like? And part of this is the PGA Tour and PIF. Are they cutting him out, or is he getting a lot of money to go away? Uh, I honestly haven't seen anything is, about him. Is he going to be somehow involved? Which would be fascinating. That would be really interesting. Surely they would just almost buy him out, maybe. But I'm not I really guess, sure. But I haven't seen. I like haven't that. either. But with all of that being said, question of the day to you and our listeners. With this happening, this is not the first time we've seen this. You have the Saudis with everything going on over there. They obviously have a lot of money to play with. And they're now dipping into the game of golf. We've already seen them dip into soccer. They, I'm pretty sure they offered Lionel Messi a boatload of money to come play in Saudi soccer. Which, by the way, he's moving to the MLS, coming to play in the U.S. Did you see that today? He's coming to play U.S. soccer. I'm not a soccer fan, but I know that's a big deal that he's coming to play in the U.S. Well, so we we know why though. It's because he has an ownership ownership mm-hmm. stake right. in Miami FC. Right. Well, I'm pretty sure he was offered Inter Miami. I think is the, yeah. their name. I'm pretty sure he was offered money to go play with the Saudi a Saudi league as oh, well. Yeah. We've seen it in racing. And so, question to you: Do you think they will continue to dip their hand into other sports? in the United States, and if so, which ones? Could it be football, basketball, baseball? I mean, what? It, there's a lot of opportunities there. They're going to continue to dip their toes in other sports. I mean, they're doing it in soccer. They do it in racing with Formula One and other racing as well. They're already actively involved in golf. Um my thing is, do you see this affecting in I, I, five or ten years the NFL, the NBA, the MLB? Think, all right, so NFL, I think that could probably happen in some capacity. I, and I, it may just be them buying up ownership of NFL teams or something like that. Um, NBA? probably harder for you to convince me on that. I think that's going to be the last of the ones just because of the way the NBA right or wrong portrays itself as this like um, socially morally correct league 
which I think there are flaws there. I think that that's he, yes, but um, you think they're too they're too proud harder. Yes, they're too I proud. Think that yeah, I can see them kind of dying on the hill of like. But you know what? We're speaks, not going to get involved in that. You know what speaks louder than pride? The critical aspects there. Money. Money speaks over everything. Apparently, in today's world, and especially no, in I the know. sports world. I mean, I I know, but I just think it's an interesting thought that I we've could... seen we've seen a sport like the PGA, which is very popular, not to the ex- likes of the NFL or whatever, but it is a very popular sport in the United States. It is dominated by Americans. There are others, and you are seeing international players become bigger and bigger and have bigger impacts on in the game of golf. But the Saudis came in and they said, you know what? We're going to take over and we're going to make a statement in the game of golf. And guess what? In two or three years, they did it. And so it's not a crazy question to ponder on whether they could start impacting other major U.S. sports like football or basketball or baseball or hockey or whatever it may be. I mean, I think it's not a crazy idea to think about that they could continue to do this if it worked here what's going to stop them from doing something else yeah yeah no it's we've had they're, they're gonna get more and more involved in sports i think that's something that we just can't deny at this point. yeah and we'll see we'll see what happens it could be a year five years ten years who knows give it a thought though i think it's really interesting stay tuned jordan hill of dogs 247 joins us when we come back ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Halfway through hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. He's Carter Bird. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7, and it has been way too long, but we have Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 joining us back on the show. Jordan, hope you're doing well, man, and hope everything's going good for you over in Athens. Yeah, definitely, guys. Been uh, way too long, but a uh, good time to hop into it because uh, once we uh, turn around, uh, we're going to be on the edge of fall camp and another busy football season. Well, you're right about that as we are just around 80 days away uh, from kickoff, a little bit more, but I mean, right there with with kickoff right around the corner, SEC media days in July, and then uh, the kickoff will be right there with it. And so, Jordan, we'll get into it here, uh, talking Georgia football with recruiting and with the season coming up, obviously the schedule debate as well. We'll hint on everything here uh, as we have you on the phone, but what do Auburn fans need to know? Of course, our Auburn listeners, what do they need to know? Catch them up a little bit on what's going on with Georgia football as the summer gets rolling. Well, you know, the biggest thing has been on the recruiting trail, just uh, how they have added talent around uh, the biggest commitment they've had in quite a while. And Dylan Riola, the five-star quarterback, the number one overall prospect in the 2024 class. To date, they've done a really good job of adding and Continuing the momentum that comes when you get a quarterback of that caliber. Right now, they got 16 commits. Just picked up another one uh, yesterday in defensive lineman Justin Green, a four-star from in the state of Georgia. So that's really been the biggest focus. You know, a lot of recruiting experts think that the 2024 class for Georgia truly has the potential to be the most talented signing class ever. 
and, uh, you know, at least as you consider uh, sort of the recruiting side era, um, they've got a whole lot of talent. They're going to try to continue adding to it. Um, that's sort of been the main focus, uh, getting ready, uh, as we know that uh, Georgia's sort of uh, sitting at the top of the mountain once again, you know, back-to-back national champs, hoping to do it again in 2023. Uh, got a lot of uh, holes to fill and uh, several guys who are talented enough to do it. Uh, but we'll definitely have a lot to learn once we get into September and see if this team does have the caliber uh, to make it back to back to back. Is the most talented recruiting class ever just going to be a bar that we set every year with whoever has the the best class? Because two years ago it was Texas A&M, last year it was Alabama, and Georgia's off to a great start with the 16 commits, three five stars. I think 10 players in the top 101 on the two on the 247 rankings. I mean, are we just going to continue to see that bar moved up and up and up? I would say you are right that that will be the case. And uh, as much as it's easy to get caught up in those ratings, you know, it, it still matters what they do. You mentioned Texas A&M, and uh, didn't exactly go well for uh, the Aggies last year. But um, there's definitely a lot to like with Georgia. Um, well, what they've put together in this class. There's still a few needs they want to try to hit. Um, the you know, defensive end, which they tried to take a step forward with with that commit earlier this week, um, and also uh, with uh, linebacker uh, trying to add there too. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a bar that continues to be raised, and uh, a lot of teams are going to continue chasing it uh, as they try to stockpile as much talent as they can in hopes of uh, being where – you know, really, Georgia is right now where they are a perennial national championship contender. Jordan, coming in through the spring and now out of the spring with recruiting being uh, as big as it is right now in the month of June, we've talked to you in the past about Kirby Smart and his current teams and the message being it really doesn't matter what last year was, whether it be the national championships, the results on, on the field, the message was always it's about this team and this year. Have you seen that mindset carry into recruiting as well, where you've seen Georgia just build bigger and bigger and bigger in recruiting and, and as you mentioned, on their way to what could be the best recruiting class of all time? I think definitely, and you see it in sort of the pitches that when you hear from recruits what they say they're hearing from Georgia coaches. I mean, and and on the whole, it's pretty straightforward. It's that if I come in and compete and beat the guys in front of me, then I'll get a chance to play. And, you know, we'll get a chance to see how realistic that is and how it plays out. Um, you know, looking at this year's team, I think specifically a Lawson Lucky, who was a four-star tight end, wasn't even the top-rated tight end they signed in last year's class, but he was the talk of spring. I mean, he put on a really, really good performance. Now, obviously, he's not surpassing a guy like Brock Bowers, uh, but I do think he's got a real chance to maybe play behind Brock and maybe uh, jump in front of Oscar Delp, who's a very talented tight end himself, was a four-star in the previous class. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think the biggest selling point to that point uh, is um, just, you know, if you want to come to Georgia uh, and if you outplay the guys around you, you will get to play. And uh, you've never really seen any hint of favoritism at Georgia uh, with the coaching staff. You know, they want the most talented guys to be out there on the field. And I think the results speak for themselves, you know, that they can point to that and say, look, uh, this is how we go about our business. Um, a lot of people are uh, up for that, and uh, like we were just talking about, it's resulted in a very, very strong class uh, that by the end of it could wind up being a historic class for Georgia. 
Obviously, the the headliner, the like crown jewel of the class here is Dylan Rayola, the number one player in the country, number one quarterback, uh, and I mean, gotta be highest quarterback commit Georgia's had in at least a long time. When you look at him coming in and the success that Georgia has already had without a super elite high ceiling quarterback, I mean, there've been good players, no no doubt. Just how much higher can this Georgia program elevate if they do have a difference maker, a Bryce Young caliber athlete at quarterback? Yeah, I kind of wrote about this after Dylan committed and said, you know, you you can't take anything away from Stetson Bennett, but um, basically, you know, he was an exception to the rule. I mean, having a walk on who played that well, you kind of paint the picture of the success Georgia's had lately and say, okay. It was a five-star who was doing it. And you just kind of nod your head and say, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, he he is so talented. Um, He brings a lot to the table. And I think that's just sort of how you picture it, that they, um, you know, had talent around Stetson, no doubt. But uh, you have a chance to pop in a guy like that, a five-star who, you know, you've had several former NFL players, you know, Dan Orlovsky, who was really close with Dylan's dad, uh, just really raving about what he's bringing to the table. I think uh, if you're uh, Georgia's competition, that uh, it's got to keep you up at night, especially if you're some of those defensive coordinators, because they've they've had so much success these last few years. You get a chance uh, to pop in a quarterback of that caliber uh, with a team that is super loaded on offense and will surely continue to be so on defense. You know that still continue to be the calling card with Kirby Smart. Um, you'd have to think the rest of the SEC and, and truly, really the the rest of the nation is uh, kind of put on notice by landing somebody like that. It's going to be very challenging. And, uh, you know, he'll probably have some growing pains when he first gets to Georgia next year. Um, but he's got a super high ceiling, and I think anyone who's had a chance to watch him would agree so. With 16 or 17 commits already at this point in the class, I mean, there's no doubt Georgia's going to continue to add. But that's a really high number already. Uh, three five-stars, one of those being – Demarcus Riddick, the the Alabama kid, which you don't get very often, a guy passing up playing for Alabama. Well, I guess you get some going to over to Georgia because you had George Pickens and some offensive linemen uh, of the five-star kind of level. How do we feel about Georgia's ability to hang on to all of these guys, or does it not really matter because they're just going to, if they lose one, they're just going to bring in another five-star that they find somewhere? Yeah, that's sort of the, the situation if they lose somebody that they've got the caliber of guys behind them uh, to pop in. And, and I think Riddick is a very interesting one because he's looked at a few other places. He's looked at Alabama. Uh, he's someone that I think is a nice barometer for where this program is if they're able to land him. Because, you know, I mean, Georgia has gone up against Alabama uh, multiple times since Kirby took over at Georgia. I think a, a really good example of that is Nakobe Dean, you know, him deciding to commit to Georgia. Uh, that was a huge win for Kirby Smart and company. Um, so you continue to see that sometimes you're able to go in Alabama and get those guys. Sometimes you can't. You know, I think about Clay Russell and, and James Smith last year, those two guys uh, at Carver who decided to stay in state. It's just so hard with how Alabama, uh, how successful Alabama has been for the better part of a decade, almost going on two, um, you know, it's so, so hard to go in Alabama and get those guys, but Georgia's got a few of them and, uh, you know, they've got a good chance with Reddick and 
Uh, they're also going after Joseph Phillips, who's not far from you guys over there in Tuskegee. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a really talented uh, linebacker, a four-star that uh, Georgia's working really hard to get. And uh, one of my coworkers, Kip Adams, just put in a uh, crystal ball for Georgia. Uh, so he's someone to watch as well out of Alabama. Speaking with Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, usually uh, through football season, basketball season, joins us at 2.30 every Wednesday here on ESPN 106.7. Jordan, what has been the big conversation over the last couple of weeks around the Southeastern Conference is the debate of eight or nine SEC Conference games. We know now that in 2024, when Texas and Oklahoma come to the SEC, they will go with an eight-game conference schedule and then reevaluate wait and for the further years Kirby Smart has been pretty vocal about does it really matter is what his opinion is and so I want to hear your thoughts on that in relation to what Kirby Smart said in Georgia yeah I think his exact quote was most overrated conversation there ever was (laughs) Uh, he uh, he didn't have a whole lot to say and uh, I think that was a little overstated by Kirby I mean his his biggest point was that you know in, in about four years everyone um, you know, every player would get a chance to play all the different teams. Um, I think the biggest part of the conversation is uh, what makes for a really interesting, you know, anytime I pop on with you guys is, is the rivalries like Georgia-Auburn. No you know, doubt. There was a, a legitimate fear last week that, you know, that could be pushed to the wayside. Games like the Deep South's oldest rivalry, third Saturday in October with Alabama and Tennessee. Some of those that may not necessarily be considered the marquee rivalries, but rivalries that still – have been around as long as, quite frankly, the SEC has been relevant. And I do think that the SEC and and Greg Sankey, uh, you know, they sort of let cooler heads prevail in being very strategic with how they want to do the schedule. You know, for the longest time when they talked about an eight-game schedule, they were looking at what was considered a 1-7 model, one permanent opponent, seven that would rotate if you stayed with the eight-game going past one year. And uh, when they put in the, you know, when they made, when they announced that they were just doing the eight game schedule in 2024, uh, Sankey was asked about a one seven model, and he said no, eight, like just eight games. He emphasized how important the rivalries are, and I think that that was a big holdup for why, you know, if they had any conversation about sticking with eight games past just 2024, why there wasn't a model that was set on just one permanent opponent. I think. Uh, people in those rooms understand what those rivalries mean to fans. Um, you see how the landscape of college football has changed so much in the last few years. You know, getting ready to see USC and UCLA playing teams in the Big Ten, uh, things like that. I think that they understood uh, that it would not be a popular decision if they made a move that would have uh, put an end or at least put a, a longer pause than we're used to in some of these rivalries. Uh, I think that they made a very good decision in keeping those rivalries in mind, and just as a fan of the sport, I hope they continue to value those rivalries uh, as they make decisions for 2025 and, and after that. And Jordan, you brought up the the Auburn-Georgia rivalry. We've heard a lot about it, especially you brought up the the fear of that game maybe not being every single year in the future. And a lot of Auburn fans have shown concern with that. But at the same time, there's been a lot of Auburn fans that maybe they're okay with not playing Georgia every single year, given where the two state of the programs are. What's been the Georgia fan uh, mindset? And what's what have they been saying about the possibility of Auburn and Georgia not playing every year? 
I think that there was a lot of pushback from the Georgia side, just as I would imagine there was on the Auburn side. You know, fans who, you know, I've talked about this on several radio stations, and to me, um, you know, you can look at all the money and you can look at all the, the new matchups you might get, especially when Oklahoma and Texas come into the conference. But to me, the Deep South Soldiers rivalry is what this sport is built on and, and what has made it so popular. You know, the examples I always use is, you go to work and you're an Auburn fan and you share a cubicle with a Georgia fan, you know, you've always got that uh, back and forth. And, you know, there may be some years you don't want to go into work on Monday, but that's part of it. And, uh, you know, your next door neighbor's a big fan of one team and you're a fan of the other, or your in-laws went there and, and you have that back and forth. To me, that there's so many people who have that example. And then you look specifically at the state of Georgia. I mean, I know so many people in West Georgia uh, who Auburn is always that game they want because it's so close and because they know so many people who are Tigers fans. Uh, I think that there was not much of a, a push or uh, a sentiment among Georgia fans of, okay, yeah, let's not play them anymore. Uh, I think that people understand what that rivalry means and uh, that what you would get in return, um, who you might play instead, it, it just isn't worth getting getting uh, farther away from the Deep South Soldiers rivalry. Jordan, with a new Georgia baseball coach on campus, how are Georgia fans reacting to that on your on your message board? Are we going to see Georgia baseball return to the Gordon Beckham days of of success and playing for for championships? It's going to be really interesting to see. You know, Wes Johnson taking the job, um, having been LSU's pitching coach. Uh, it seems like people are are pretty excited early on. Um, you know, that I think there was some hope that there would be a coach with head coaching experience, even though West doesn't have that. You know, he coached with the Twins, um, has done a really good job at LSU, and uh, is from Arkansas. I believe he was at Mississippi State at one point as well. Uh, I do think that there's excitement, but it's sort of one of those situations where there's still a lot of wait and see. They want to see what staff he puts together. We'll see how he recruits because, to be fair to Scott Strickland, who had that job for 10 years, he was a pretty popular hire when he came on board. He had taken Kent State to the College World Series. I believe that was the year before he came to Georgia. Um, you know, it's one of those things I think it looks really good on paper. Uh, I don't really cover the baseball team, but just what I know about Wes, I think it is a good hire. Uh, but it looking like a good hire and it working in uh, actuality are two different things. And it's just going to be really fascinating to see what these next few weeks and months look like for him as he tries to get this Georgia baseball team to compete and what you guys know very well, uh, as a very, very uh, competitive conference in college baseball. Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 joining us here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Man, it's so good to talk to you again. It's been so long since we've had you on. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you and what you got coming up on Dogs 247. Definitely. Uh, Dogs247.com on Twitter at Jordan Davis Hill on Twitter at Dogs247. And Got to shout out our new staff member, Benjamin Wolk, who I think a bunch of your listeners may remember. He oh, yeah. worked uh, with uh, Auburn Rivals for a while. He has been crushing it uh, in his first week and super excited to see what he is able to do uh, going forward and helping us cover recruiting. Well, man, we will talk to you a few more times throughout the summer, uh, and then hopefully if all goes well, pick you back up for football season and, and hopefully what should be a very fun fall. 
No doubt about it. Definitely, guys. Appreciate it, Jordan. That is Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. Again, he, uh, throughout football, basketball, joins us pretty much every Wednesday here on the show, and, and we're talking to him throughout the summer, getting caught up on everything going on with Georgia athletics, especially on the football side of things. So go check him out, dogs247.com. We'll take our final break, come back, and wrap up hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up the first hour here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Big thank you to Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. Uh, joins us every Wednesday throughout football basketball season. Uh, we kind of hit him up here and there just to get caught up on what's going on in the offseason for Georgia athletics, football, basketball, and everything else. And so go check him out, Jordan Davis Hill on Twitter and then dogs247.com. Uh, the, the debate with eight or nine games, it, it comes back to Kirby saying it was the most over overrated debate of all time and yes that's a very easy mindset to have when you are Georgia (laughs) when you're as good as you are right now and I'm not saying that with Jordan not here he would agree with that 100% Georgia is just doing Georgia things and it seems like Kirby at this point is like we don't care who we play we feel pretty darn good that we're gonna win Uh, but I did think find it interesting that the Georgia fans uh, were concerned about possibly losing the Auburn Georgia game well, yeah, I mean, of 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 course, because right now they, um, they, you have a Georgia team that's won what? Is it eighteen of the last twenty one? It's a ridiculous Auburn, number. It, it is an absolutely I mean, when you're ridiculous 18 and number. Three, yeah, you want to keep it a hundred percent when, um, if you're, you go through, I guess, the Auburn side of it or the the um. Michigan side of it with Ohio State for years and years you may have a different perspective at times <laughs> but I mean Michigan's obviously back winning those games and they're on a, a quote winning streak Michigan yeah. is they're what two in a row now over Ohio also, State I yeah, mean, like respectfully I don't call that a streak I'm but. not gonna say Georgia fans know all about that day in day out grind of a super difficult schedule i mean when you look at no absolutely this not. year their toughest stretch is Ole Miss at home at tennessee they have of their their toughest games are Ole Miss, tennessee at auburn and kentucky so they have at auburn kentucky at home back to back and Ole Miss at home at tennessee everybody else got tougher two game stretches and when Ole Miss is has three wins when they play them i mean we're going to feel differently about that game. And all you can do is play the teams on your schedule, but the schedule for Georgia should get harder coming up. Stay tuned, though. Hour number two coming up. We'll talk some Auburn golf, and then Austin Hannon of Bama Central joins us. All coming up in hour number two. The following is an Auburn Network production. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. 
You are on the line with Jacob Goetz and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we get underway in hour number two here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins. Alongside me, as always, is Carter Bird here in hour number two. If you missed any of the first hour, though, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast. You know where to find it, ESPNAU.com, or just search On the Line wherever you get your podcast. We talk some more about PGA and live uh, thanks to some of the comments from the players around the game of golf including Rory McIlroy Bryson DeChambeau uh, who had some really interesting things to say and so we talked a little bit about that and then Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 joined us on the phone lines who had him back on the show talking all things Georgia athletics getting you caught up on Georgia football recruiting a uh, shocker they're going after the best recruiting class of all time and so uh, we talked to him about that and also Georgia fans perspective on the potential of losing the Auburn-Georgia rivalry every single year. And so some really interesting conversations in hour number one. If you missed any of it, you can find the podcast right after the show today, ESPNAU.com. But coming up here in hour number two, want to hit on a few different topics in these first 30 minutes. I want to talk Auburn football official visits. I also want to talk about what's going on in New York City. Have you seen that? We'll talk about that in just a second. It is wild looking what's going on in New York City right now also there's some you were telling me about some ncaa football things and the football video game that they're trying to mess up and so we'll talk i want to hit all of those because i think they're all very important and so we'll do all that in the first 30 minutes uh and then austin hannon of bama central will join us he's our usual wednesday 3 30 guest uh, we'll get him on the phones and talk to him about alabama including the super regional for baseball what to expect what they saw in the regional all that good stuff so that's coming up here in our number two but it's until we get to Austin, we'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. That's the number to put you through to us. 334-321-1390. Uh, but Carter, we'll start with the slow one or the, the smaller one really, really quick. Um, have you seen what's happening in New York City? Uh, I had not until you said it and I went and looked at it. It's unbelievable. It is unbelievably scary is what it is. The entire city of New York, all the all the boroughs, everything, the entire city of New York is in a massive orange-brown haze and a smog, fog, whatever you want to call it, because of Canadian wildfires. And the city of New York is completely covered in orange smoke. And if you go and look on, just Google it. No, 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 I know. I'm just like, I was saying to our listeners, going to be able to play. They played last night. They played yesterday. I don't know if they're playing today or not. I'm really curious because there's a lot of health concerns when it comes to players, when it comes to fans. uh, It's definitely smoky at the game last night. It's not orange though. It's orange today. It's orange today. It was smoky last night. It's orange today. And I don't know if they're going to continue to play. I did see something where uh, flights, uh, like plane flights coming out of uh, New York are delayed, obviously, because you literally can't see. I mean, to our listeners, if you haven't seen it, go look it up on Twitter or Google or anything. There are pictures and videos everywhere of what's going on in New York City right now. And when it relates to sports, yeah, you think about the Yankees uh, and the Mets who will be playing there. But um, 
outside of that, you just look at the health concerns. And, and I mean, how scary is that? The entire oh, yeah. city of New York covered in smoke from Canadian wildfires. Josh Donaldson hit a home run last night in the smoke. Yeah. The, the bringer of rain did not bring up. <laughs> Let's get to the phone lines. 334-321-1390. And Ed, you're on the line. Welcome in. Hey, guys. Hey, uh, yeah, I, I was listening to uh, the morning uh, TJ and Max. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, they were talking about how bad it was up there. And, that, you know, the thing about that kind of smoke, you know, it's dangerous. You better you know? believe it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I was just going to uh, – I was going to ask you all uh, – Hold on, somebody. Hold on, somebody. I'm gonna have to call you back. Okay, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, just give us a call back. No worries. We appreciate you. Just call back whenever you can, Ed. We appreciate it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, man, just looking at these, looking at the pictures and the videos, man, it is unbelievable what is going on in, in New York City right now. It's wildfire smoke from Canadian wildfires, and it's this is a really good comparison. Basically, when you watch any movie ever and they go into a desert. That's what it looks like. Like the entire city is just orange. Well, I was gonna say when they have the um, the Formula One races in uh, I forget which country, Red Bull has their home plant, and then wherever uh, in the uh, Netherlands, and they have those orange flares that the fans yeah have yeah 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 that now they've like outlawed, but the fans just ignore it. It's like if Power the entire the city of New York had those and did it at once. It's crazy. Yeah, it's it is it's really really wild looking and so uh collective sports, orange haze that yeah, set in over everything. Yeah, sports will be affected outside no doubt, but I mean hopefully that clears out. I mean that's just that's scary, man. If you're living in New York, that is a scary scene right now and we'll see what that is. But uh, let's get back to the phone lines. Ed, I uh, hope you're doing all right, man. You're back on the line. Yes, I apologize about that. Uh, I was just going to comment uh, 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 about the schedule of of everybody and, you know, uh, about the danger of uh, at this day and time, you can't tell what team's going to be a powerhouse, you know. So I think a lot of this posturing about, you know, I, I would love to see Auburn get back to having Florida and, you know, I'd love to see him keep Georgia and Alabama. And, it, you know, uh, it, it, but but as far as next year's schedule, uh, it, it, I see four games that that I think, you know, I think will make a break that, you know, that they've got probably, you know, five wins, you know, slated. For this upcoming and, season? Yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm thinking, and I'm counting Mississippi State in one of those, and okay. I could be wrong there. But but the other ones, as far as four games, I think is going to make a break this season. I think it's going to be California, then Texas A and M, then Ole Miss, and then Arkansas. Okay. And okay. Yeah, I think Alabama, LSU, you know. Georgia, I, there's some teams I just think is going to be too much for, you know, to, to 
and, hey, Auburn could win them. Yeah, I'm not trying. I'm right. Not saying yeah. Would you would you call those other games make or break because of the fact that realistically they could go either way, and if Auburn wants to have a successful season, they should probably try to win those. Yeah. Well, I think if you can split two of those, you know, that's what, if you can split two of those, if you can get two out of those four, mm-hmm. you've got seven win season, and that's pretty good. And I might be going a little bit on a limb on say Mississippi State, but if if Auburn can get two of those four, uh, they could have seven wins. Uh, that's not a bad year, is it? Not no, in year no, one, no, I wouldn't especially think. not coming off five and seven in the right. hole that Brian Harson left you in. Can I? Yeah. I I, I want to talk about the Cal game because I kind of have. Yeah. I I agree with you to an extent, but like I think it is a. It's a break game. I'm not sure if it's a make or break game because it's a game that if you win, uh-huh. I don't think it makes your season or gives you a bunch of crazy momentum. But no, if you but lose that one, man, I think it can it could get ugly fast. I, I, I agree. I agree. And, and yeah, that's 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 the quickest one. And then I think A and M. I think is the next one mm-hmm. that I that I named. And, you know, A and M is going to be hard. You know, but I mm-hmm. mean, I, I, I think. Possibly we could win it, but, but in, anyway, in, anyway, guys. Like I said, I, as far as a, a lot of the posture, and I, I wish we would have went to nine games, but you know, uh, just to, I, I, I just I, I'm not sure why they didn't, but it doesn't matter. And, and as far as people worrying about, you know, Tennessee was a has been a gimme game for you know Bama for the last eight or. So years, yeah. but not anymore. You know, Hopper's got them. You know, and and uh, anyway, guys, thanks, thanks for taking my call and boys. Yeah, appreciate the call, Ed. Appreciate Good to hear that. from you. We appreciate you calling in. Starting out here in hour number two, we'd love to hear from you as well. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Yeah, I mean, when you look at a couple of things that he was he was talking about make or break games uh for for Auburn in, in 2023 and this is a conversation we could have for for weeks and we will throughout this summer um I'm with you Carter on the cow game where I I think you hit the nail on the head if you win it nobody's gonna you're not gonna get put on a on a yeah. pedestal because you I beat cow I don't think you get a ton of credit for beating them I do think you you would get uh, dragged for losing that game You'd be in a bad spot if you lost that, because then yeah, you have your get right spot against Stanford. And I'll say this: unless it's just like you lose a weird tight game where like unlucky bounces of the ball, and it's clear that you're going through the growing pains of new systems, and you're going to get better. That's about the only thing that I'd be like, okay, this isn't awful, but. You need to win that game against Cal. And at the same time, I can see where <laughs> I can see the world where Auburn goes on the road to Cal. They lose. Everybody in Auburn starts. I, I don't think they will, but I can see the world where if they were to go to that game and lose, Auburn fans would have a fit, and, and rightfully so. I don't care where Auburn is as a program. You are better than Cal. You always will be. Um, and... I can see the world where if Auburn went to Cal and lost, the world would feel like it was collapsing, but then Auburn could bounce back and be okay, especially with that being an out-of-conference game. So I see where Ed's coming from on the Cal game being a possible make-or-break. Let's get to the phone lines again, 334-321-1390. Shane, you're on the line. Welcome in. Hey, guys. Hey, Shane. I was about to say, I, I, I'm pretty sure y'all are about to go on break. 
it's because some reason every time I call, y'all y'all are like, okay, break time. <laughs> uh, hey, we, hey, we got we got a few minutes, man. You you got plenty of time. Go ahead. Yeah. So, so first off, I don't think we're going to lose to to Cal. But if it, if we did, you know, I don't think I don't think uh, any record is going to be bad this year if if we compete in all of these games. If I see if if you go out there and you see everybody competing and they're doing what they're supposed to do and it comes down to, like, a play in all these games, you know, Alabama should have lost three or four last year on, on a play or two. Mm-hmm. So, oh, every, you know, either way. So if you see them competing and it's, and it's, and it's, and it's a good product on the field, I, even like a six and six would be, would be okay. But I don't think we're going to do that. I, I'm pretty sure, my, here's my prediction, if we win that game at, at Cal, which I think we would, I, I think we, get, we go eight and four. And then – then and then bowl game, you know, who knows what what would be at that. Right. Point. No, I think, we could, I think we could do that. Yeah, There's I'm no with problem. you. I think that, and I think a lot of people are are in that same boat, and I think we are as well. If Auburn can go and compete in these games, like Ed was mentioning, Texas A&M, LSU, right. even Alabama and Georgia, like if you are competitive in those games and you don't quite get the win, okay. But I'm with you, yeah. Shane. I think if Auburn at least competes and you show that you're getting better and there's a bright future with Hugh Freeze as your head coach, right. then yeah, I think you're going to be just fine. Yeah, I, I think we are going to be just fine. And I think, you know, every time that Auburn is predicted to do nothing, that's, that's for some reason in Auburn history, that's when we do something. So I'm not saying we're going to do something major like Gus did in his first year, but, but I think, you know, even 75, 8 and 4, I think that's a, a terrific, uh, with com- with competitiveness, competitive, with being competitive in in all of the big games as well, Georgia, mm-hmm. Alabama, what LSU, I want to see you, com- you know, I want to see them compete in all those games, yeah. even if we lose them, and it's and that's okay. Hey, well, one last thing, and I'll, I'm gonna hang up. Yep. I know you got a break. Um, you know the lift thing. Are are are, are the PGA guys? Uh, are they? Are they? Can they not like you know go on strike or something? Because that that's messed up. That's I mean. I, that's messed up that they just have to submit to this. It's something that, that they were just, you know, told, hey, we're, this is not going to happen, you know, blah, 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 over and over, adamant about it, and then just, like, in the dark, accepting bribes by, you know, it's, it's, it's dirty. So, you know, I, I, is there a way? Can, these, can, can there be, like, a coalition? I don't know if there's, like, a player's, you know, thing like there is in other sports, but can they can they boy you know can they can they stop playing and um and get this guy out of here and who's making this deal is it this guy that's running the the uh the PGA or is it like like so who is who's making the deal I, i'm not really sure on the on the details of this it just seems like we're taking money under under the table to to to, to make things smooth out Anyway, well, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. We'll make we'll comment on that. We appreciate it, Shane. We'll we'll comment on that. Um, with the PGA, it is it's um Jim Monahan who is uh, it was him and two other guys, and like Shane said, basically in the dark, uh, making making the deal with. It's not necessarily with the Live Tour, and I think that's where it kind of got murky yesterday compared to what we've got today. They are. They're not necessarily merging. They are unifying under a, a one umbrella, and they're going to be using the PIF money, which is who backs the Live Tour, for the PGA Tour. So they will be under one, but they will not all come together in one massive tour of golf. And 
When it comes to... I think they will at some point. I think they probably will, but I don't think that happens right now because Greg Norman had a quote about 20 minutes ago to his his live staffers that said, we changed the game of golf. We changed the world. We're not going anywhere. So Hmm. he is very adamant about live not becoming the PGA or it all becoming one big thing. Greg Norman's pretty, because you asked about it in the first hour and I didn't know, he seems pretty adamant about live themselves not going anywhere now when it comes to pga golfers if they could go on a so-called strike or or rebel or whatever i guess you technically could but unless you just get everybody to back it which you would probably have a pretty big group of them i just don't know if the pga would do anything about it because they have the money coming from the pif right i I don't know what that protocol would be i really don't yeah i i'm really fascinated to see what happens with this i i just i don't see a situation where live golf is a thing i don't care what greg norman is saying Uh, i just don't see that happening and yeah this to shane's point i think that there is a conversation about well could these players walk away i mean they could threaten to i think the PGA Tour is not going to move forward until some sort of monetary gain is made by the guys who stayed. And that's going to happen, and Rory said as much. And Rory said, look, I mean, that's the simple answer. The complex answer is how the heck are you going to do that? And the problem with these guys on the PGA Tour going on a strike, where are they going to go? Where are you going to go? If you want to play no, professionally. No, no, that's that is fair. That is 100% fair. There's not going to be some organized strike because there is no players' union. These guys are technically like independent contractors, which is part of the uh, frustration by some when these live guys left and were stripped of PGA Tour status. Um, That was viewed as, like, how can you really do that when they're independent contractors and they're already going and playing on different tours in certain times, like... Some guys will go play on the Asian Tour. Some guys will go play on the DP World Tour that used to be uh, the European Tour. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be really interesting. I don't think we have a lot of answers, and we're going to find out slowly over time what's going to happen. We'll talk some more about the scheduling conversation. Ed and Shane both had interesting comments. Want to talk about that. We'd love to hear from you as well. 334-321-1390. Then coming up at 3.30, Austin Hannon of Bama Central joins us to update you on Alabama baseball, what their Super Regional will look like, and what their chances are to make it to Omaha. 334-321-1390. Stay tuned. More of the Wednesday edition of On the Line when we come back. On the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Let's get to the phone lines once again. 334-321-1390. Terry, you're on the line, man. Welcome in. Good afternoon, guys. How's it going? Doing good, man. What you got? Um, guys, I hadn't studied the, the California again that much. Uh, I know everybody says California's got a bunch of guys coming back, but Whoopee. So, yeah. I, I mean, they, they, you know, I don't know. I think, I, but I can, I can guarantee you this. Now, I don't know. Today's the seventh, right? What's that? Today's the seventh. Today is the seventh of June. Yep. Yeah, June seventh, and and uh, around three thirty, Auburn is no way zero percent chance they're going to lose to Georgia and Alabama at home. There's no way a Hugh Freeze led Auburn team is going to let their two biggest rivals come into their house and beat them. So you're saying That's Auburn right. goes one at least one and one this year against one Georgia and, one and Alabama in those games. 
They, okay. they will go one and one in those games. And and why why do you say that? Because just what I said. I don't think that I don't think a Hugh Freeze let Auburn team is going to let their two biggest rivals come into their house and beat them. I don't think. I mean, Hugh Freeze may not be the the deciding factor there. Raw talent on the field may be a deciding. The talent he's brought in. Yes, but he's he's Auburn's at fifty one percent in the blue chip ratio. Alabama's daggum near ninety. I think it's a combination of the fact that Georgia's going to have a little bit of a hangover to back-to-back national titles. I think Stetson Bennett was, although I was one of his big, biggest critics, I think he was a little better, a little better, and a little more steady than people realize. Even I, even I did. Wow, I giving Stetson, Stetson Bennett some credit, Terry. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the world's going to end, right? <laughs> um, um, and Alabama, I just think Alabama's. I don't know. I just think they got bigger quarterback issues. Early. I think I think the Bryce Young won a couple of games for them last year. Oh, there's no doubt. Yeah, he, Absolutely. If he's on that team, they're they're eight, they're eight and fourteen. I think Auburn has a decent chance to beat Alabama if they're playing well, and if Alabama is not as good as we think they are, like we kind of have been alluding to. Um, I think Auburn has a better chance to beat Alabama than Georgia, and I think everybody would agree on that. Now, Jacob and Carter, if, if, if Brian Harson could take a pathetic Auburn team with T.J. Finley at quarterback and take Alabama to the limit, then I know Hugh Freeze can. Look, I, I think Auburn absolutely can beat Alabama, but I don't think they're beating Georgia. I don't. I, it doesn't matter, I mean, when, where, whatever they play. Georgia's got that much talent, is that well coached, and that much better in the trenches. Still, Auburn's gotten a lot better. I don't think you beat Georgia. I think, so in this scenario... To me, you're guaranteeing that Auburn beats Alabama. I'm guaranteeing they win one of them two games. Which one are you more confident in? Um, I'm more confident in Georgia, quite honestly, because I think Georgia lost more than you're, you're taking in. I think that I think you're giving them too much credit. That is that is bold, Terry. It is bold. Hey, hey look, I we I've been known to be bold. Uh, yeah, yeah, you have. And look, credit to you. And guess what? I want you. If Georgia comes to Jordan-Hare Stadium and they lose to Auburn and, and Hugh Freeze and this team win, I want you to be the very first phone call at 2 o'clock on that Monday afternoon. Terry, are, are you saying Auburn's going to be 5-0 and going to the, the off week before LSU? Nah, I can't say that because I don't know that much about California. I don't think Auburn loses Wait, to Cal. Hang on, didn't you just tell me that you don't care how many people Cal brought back? Well, I don't, I don't know much about them. No, I don't. I don't care much about them. I think Auburn's a better team. If I, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this, Terry. Penalties. If Auburn loses sorry, to dude. Cal, if Auburn loses to Cal, Auburn's not beating Texas A&M or Georgia or Alabama. No, no, I can't. I can't. I can't go with that. <clears throat> Did you say Texas A&M, Alabama, or Georgia? Two of those at home. There's. I'm sorry. There's no way they're coming in Jordan here and winning them games. I'm sorry. There's no way. There's no way they're gonna they're gonna lose both their rivals in that state. There's absolutely no zero chance of that. Terry's happening. got Auburn going eleven and one with a loss at Cal. <laughs> is what I'm hearing. No, I don't think they're going eleven and one. <laughs> I don't think they're going to win at LSU either. I like your confidence so, though, Terry. Look, you have always been bold, and we hey we like it. Hey, our motto is we tell you like it is and hold nothing back, and you definitely fit that narrative, Terry. Well, you know who would be the smile on the most if Auburn lost to Cal? It'd probably be Brian Harson. Look, look, okay, come on and win. I mean, maybe so, maybe so. Take care, guys. Have a good day. Appreciate the call, Terry. We appreciate it. Always good to hear from you. Auburn, according to Terry, will no way, shape, or form let Alabama and Georgia both come into Jordan-Hare Stadium and win. And he's more confident in the Georgia game than he is the Alabama game. I'm not saying he's right or wrong because it's June and it's talking season and this is what we do, but that's bold, man. That's a bold statement. I won't lie to you.
And he knows it. Terry knows it. I'm I'm a little shell-shocked about the thought that Auburn is going to lose to Cal but beat Georgia. I just there's not a world where that happens. <laughs> I mean, look, Auburn's not losing to Cal. Auburn's going to lose to a bottom 12 P5 team but beat the number 1 team in the country. Auburn's not losing Ooh. to Cal. I'm just I'm just uh, I'm I'm speaking I, I, it into I'm, existence. I'm with you there. I'm with you there. Auburn's not losing to Cal. And like I said, I don't care same thing Terry said. I don't care who they're bringing back. I don't I don't care where Auburn is as a program coming out of a 5 and 7 season. Auburn's not losing at Cal. They're not. And so when it comes to the Georgia Alabama game, I have a sneaky good feeling about the Alabama game this year. Now, there's a lot to be said and there's a lot to be seen on what all these teams look like on the field. Auburn may compete with Georgia. They're not going to beat them. Auburn can compete with Alabama. And you just never know inside Jordan-Hare Stadium. But we have all summer to talk about that. And don't you worry, we will. We got to get to our break because Austin Hannon of Bama Central will join us when we come back. You are on the line with Jacob Goetz. And Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes left here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back, and that's exactly what Terry did uh, with his prediction coming out of that last segment. And uh, look, if he's I'm right... I'm still in shock about it. If he's, okay. And I told him, if he's right, I want him to be the first one to let us know on that Monday that Auburn will no way, shape, and form lose to Georgia and Alabama inside Jordan-Hare Stadium. And this guy may have something to say with that. Austin Hannon of Bama Central joining us here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Austin... Do you believe that, that there's no way that Auburn football in 2023 can lose to Georgia and Alabama this year? Uh, well, I mean, if, it was, if I was an Auburn fan, I think that, you know, you sometimes let the fandom get the best of you. Um, <laughs> now, <laughs> now I, I think the, the craziest part was the Georgia statement. Um, obviously, we, we've seen them win back-to-back national championships. There's question marks on Alabama's football team this year, so maybe, you know, there's a little less shock there, especially if Hugh Freeze has beaten Nick Saban twice at Ole Miss. Uh, but, you know, I, I wouldn't say that's something I would I would put my money on if I was. Well, he, so. he actually said he's more confident in the Georgia game than the Alabama game, which equally mm. confused me. And, and look, we are not we're not Terry. He is one of our he is one of our, if he's not our most right frequent caller. More, more often than not. And he is extremely right more times than not. And so it's just he dropped that ball on us right before you came on and we had to get your thoughts on it. But Austin Hannon <laughs> of Bama Central, again he joins us every Wednesday at three thirty. Let's talk a little baseball before we circle back with uh, some football stuff. Alabama, one of the SEC teams who hosted a regional and now they get through the regional unlike Auburn did and they're preparing for a super regional so austin what did you see from alabama baseball this past weekend in their home regional yeah quite the weekend in tuscaloosa uh, I, I think i was on here last week and told you that i was um, a little surprised with, with auburn seating and, and even kentucky and south carolina seating which now looking back at it they both advanced so a little less hate there but i, I thought that auburn thing was weird um obviously i don't think alabama really took it to heart uh they went out there as the 16th seed uh, they got to play all three of the teams in the regional. They beat all three of them, didn't lose the game. So, I mean, that's, that's about as good as you can do it. Um, and so, you know, we had a Troy baseball, that's another in-state team. Troy baseball team had a good week. 
Um, you know, obviously they they were inches away from from going to the winners bracket and beating Alabama, but Jermaine Cobb threw the ball away. Alabama takes the lead, they win, um, and then they end up kind of blowing out Boston College in the regional finals. So uh, it took a it took a weird turn there on Saturday night, and and the better for Alabama fans. It was great to see. Um, you know, Hitchcock Field's a place that gets a lot of fans, right? Uh, the Joe. It's got it's got a niche crowd, you know. It's not always a big crowd. The students usually show up, but with it being June and being the summer, um, you didn't really know what to expect. But it was a, a sold out all weekend, um, packed house. The energy was there, and I think it really lifted the team over the top. And you know, now they've got number one team in the country on their hands. So you know, you know, can they can they pull the upset? We'll see. Obviously, they handled business against Boston College, but I got to ask you this: I mean, is it more of a confidence builder boost for the team and the fan base that they swept or is it a little nerve-wracking that the first two games were as sketchy in certain points as they were and could have gone against this Alabama team I don't think the fans are really too um pick. I mean it's baseball right we, we you can you can say things like this in the sport of football and even basketball you know if you have a team that you should beat um mm-hmm. you know let's, let's just say Football, Auburn's playing Sanford or Alabama's playing, you know, I always say Citadel, Western Carolina, anybody, Cupcake Week, and you don't have a great show and you win the game by maybe 20 points, people start thinking, eh, I don't really know how I felt about that. But, I mean, in the sport of baseball, I think you take any win you can get, especially at this point in the season. Um, Nichols had a great pitcher in Jacob Myers. Would not be shocked to see him in the purple and gold next year. Let me just start with that. Um, you know, stubbed two ERA all season, got great stuff, looked every bit the part. You know, on a Friday SEC night. So um, Nichols, obviously, being in Louisiana, I think he is a Louisiana kid. Don't be surprised if you see the NIL, the NIL check come out and he ends up at LSU next year. So Nichols, you know, that, that was a great performance from them. They were over, overcome that. Troy obviously kind of handed Alabama the baseball game, but then they took care of business against the Eagles. And, um, you know, just like I said, I mean, baseball is baseball. You, you win 4-3, you win 12-0. It doesn't really matter as long as you get the win. And Austin, before we talk about the Wake Forest Super Regional that Alabama will be traveling to, other results around the SEC and the regional, and you're allowed to talk about Auburn, it's okay, that caught your eye over regional weekend across college baseball? Yeah, I wasn't too shocked about Auburn. I, I not, not an unbiased thing there. I think Southern Miss was a great team. That was a tough team that, that came into their regional. Um, most of the end of the season, it looked like Southern Miss was going to end up in Alabama's uh, but they do end up in Auburn's because Auburn got what may have been Alabama's seed of the, you know, before Selection Sunday, uh, Selection Monday, I should say, and Southern Misson's up there. Uh, obviously, the pen loss really hurt. You can't really go down night one to the four seed like that if you're hosting. Uh, so Auburn kind of got behind the eight ball and then just not a really good performance the second day either. Uh, Tennessee, how about Tennessee? I mean, Tennessee and Texas, two of the toughest um, two seeds in the country. They both eliminate their regional hosts. Uh, Tennessee always kind of had this, you know, they still got, they're not the team they were last year, but they've still got, you know, some of those guys in the lineup and on the mound and um, Clemson was unable to, you know, the ACC champions were unable to get out of the regional. Uh, I think it's cool. You know, obviously we had 10 SEC teams make the field, eight hosted, or I think, uh, I think that was the number. Yeah. And, and now you get two matchups in the super regionals of SEC on SEC. Uh, you got LSU and Kentucky going to be going down in Baton Rouge. And then you got Florida and South Carolina and Gainesville. So those will be two to definitely keep your eye on. Um, yeah, it, it, Vandy, how about Vandy? I mean, they go to Hoover and, and look like the best team in the conference, and uh, they can't even get out of Nashville. I mean, it, it's crazy this kind of season. Um, I thought Texas A&M really showed a lot of heart. 
they were in a great position to advance uh, out of Palo Alto out there at Stanford, uh, but let Stanford come back and beat them twice, and uh, we, we got to avoid the Texas-Texas A&M matchup in the Super Regional. When you look forward to this weekend, Alabama takes on the number one team in the country, a Wake Forest team that uh, I think has only lost about 10 games all year. They're sitting at 50-10, and 10, a team that handled their business uh pretty pretty decently in their regional <laughs> play pretty emphatically i mean when you look at emphatically, it emphatically yeah uh so i mean how how much of how worried are our alabama fans for this matchup this weekend um well i think the, you know the worry thing when you're worried it usually comes it means you're you know that you're a host in the super regional you're a team that's you know expected to make it to omaha expected to you know compete for the world series at this point in the season, I, I think most Alabama fans are kind of like the program as a whole are kind of feeling, hey, this is kind of house money at this point. I think the season goal was, hey, let's make it re- make it to regional, maybe host regional and get to the super regionals. And I think that would be a great season for the program. And then you build off that and then you move forward. But um, it's a tall task. I mean, you said it, 50 and 10. They outscored their three opponents and Winston-Salem last week, 48 to 7. In three games, yeah, forty-eight to seven in three games. That's an average of sixteen runs a game, um, and it's not just the offense. I mean, they've got three starters that have sub three ERAs, including Red Louder. He's fourteen and zero with a one six six. I mean, you just you're going to be faced with a tall task. They've got three guys in the lineup, four guys in the lineup above a one OPS, including Nick Kurtz, who's had a thirteen ninety five, Brock Wilkin thirteen twenty two, um, twenty seven home runs, twenty three home runs. I mean, these guys just do everything. Um, so it's going to be very difficult, but I think, you know, being here on this Auburn show, you know, there's a lot of SEC fans listening and, um, SEC baseball, we always brag about it, that this is the SEC is the premier conference for that. And, yeah. um, so you're not, you're not, you don't have to travel to Baton Rouge. You don't have to travel to Fayetteville, you know, Gainesville. You don't have to play, uh, one of those teams on the road. It's, it's a smaller stadium. It won't be as probably difficult of a crowd as you would see in other parts of the SEC and, for Alabama, I don't think they're going to go into the series scared. I mean, obviously, they know how good Wake Forest is. They know that they're number one for a reason. But you've played Auburn. You've played LSU, Vandy, Arkansas, Florida. I mean, all these teams all season long. So you're not really you're not really scared of Wake Forest, I don't think. So um, I think they're going to go in confident. I think they know that they're up against a tall task. But once again, I mean, everybody in the SEC has seen teams like this for the last month or two um, every single weekend. So I don't think it's going to be a case where – um, they're going to go in, you know, scared of, of the challenge. Obviously, Brad Bohannon uh, is not the coach at Alabama anymore. Jason Jackson is the interim head coach. With that position being open, do you see Alabama potentially going and hiring uh, somebody from the outside, or is has Jason Jackson done enough in your mind to be the head coach at Alabama? I think it's split right now um, wow. between the fan base. There, there's a report that came out. Uh, a few days ago about Rob Vaughn, who's the coach at Maryland right now, uh, being the front runner for the job. Um, I, I'm one of the people that, you know, I'm kind of a sucker for what's what's working at the moment. And I've seen, you know, these great hires come in over the years, over the decades that have never worked out. And um, with Jason Jackson in there, they're, I think, 17 and four. Um, so the results are there. The players seem to be love, love playing for them. And, I mean, you guys dealt with a situation similar to this. I mean, not the exact level of success, uh, but Cadillac Williams at the end of last year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's like some of the fans are like, well, I love this. I love how the team's playing. It feels like 
it would be a great hire for, you know, the, the, the school and uh, somebody that's been there and, and has been with these kids. But you got to also think that this is a very veteran Alabama baseball team. A lot of the guys right now that are, you know, the superstars on the team will end up leaving next year probably to, um, you know, just graduation or the MLB or whatever it be. And then it'll be a new crop of guys come in. So will that same level of success, will, will Jason Jackson be able to sustain that if he's the head coach? Or is this more of a lightning in a bottle, um, you know, fun end of the season, but not really the move to the future? I think Jason Jackson's deserved it. Um, I, I think he's handled himself extremely well um, throughout this whole process, and, and he's shown results on the field. And uh, he seems like a guy that's been he's been very overdue for, for this head coaching job. Um, after being an assistant and a pitching coach for over two decades now, he seems like it's been it's it's his time for an opportunity, and he's taken advantage of it. Um, but some some fans think that that's a lazy hire, right? I mean, you or is it smart to really just go with the next guy that just kind of filled in after after the Bohannon stuff, or um, or is this something else? Is this something is this something where Jason Jackson can can lead the program into the future? I, I I'm on board with Jackson being the new coach. Uh, but I, I don't know where Greg Burns heads at right now, and um, I guess we won't really know until the season comes to an end. Well, you bring up the the Cadillac situation with Auburn football last year, and I think it's an interesting comparison. The the narrative that came up and really the biggest conversation with that was, was Cadillac ready to be a head coach? And I think the answer to that question was a resounding no. When you talk about Jason Jackson with Alabama baseball, you mentioned it. He's been around the game for two decades. I, I It seems like if if the if the you know the boot fits that he could be and would be qualified enough to be the next head coach at Alabama I agree I think he's you know he's produced so many pitchers in the major leagues uh, whether it be at Fort Atlantic at Alabama or anywhere else he's been um and it's just I think you just can't go wrong with some stuff like you see what's happening with the program right now I mean this is a place that Alabama hasn't been since 2010 um in the super regionals and, you know, do you want to take that for granted and kind of throw it all away and, and you know, refresh your staff next season? Or do you want to kind of treat, try to keep this thing going? And I, I, I totally understand the other side of it. Um, you know, we could, we could wake up a year from now and Alabama could have a terrible season and it looks like Jason Jackson wasn't the choice. And, you know, now you're, now you're into a multi-year contract with a guy that was just a guy for, you know, that was just perfect for that part of the season and not really, you know, perfect for the exact job. So, um, I understand the, the hesitancy of some fans to kind of jump on board with this, but I think as each day goes by, I've noticed on social media that it seems like more and more fans each day are kind of like, okay, maybe I am in with this Jason Jackson thing just because of the results. I mean, right. there is no substitute for winning baseball games, and I think that this fan base that has been you know longing for a successful baseball program for so long to finally get this, what they're getting right now, I think that side of fans are, are thinking, hey, we should probably keep this guy and, and not, you know, make a hire of, you know, Brad Bohannon or Greg Goff or, you know, any of the body else that has been here in the last, you know, 10 years or so so that have gone horribly wrong. So um, I don't know. We're going to have to see what happens. I love Jason Jackson. I think he's, he's doing a great job and um, he's a great recruiter, I've heard. And, you know, he's brought a lot of talent in over the years. So um, I say why not? Austin Hannon of Bama Central. He joins us every Wednesday at 3.30 here on On the Line. For Alabama to go on the road to Wake Forest, the number one team in the country, they've been dominating all year long. What does Alabama baseball have to do well this weekend to slay the Giant and move on to Omaha? You've got to match the Demon Deacons on the mound. 
Um, I think the, the lineup's always there, and you know that you're going to go up against tough pitchers this weekend, but the offense has always been the strong part of this baseball team all season long. And I think that was obvious last weekend that no matter, you know, Jacob Myers giving Nichols a great start, you know, Troy putting up a bunch of runs like they were, Alabama was never out of the baseball game because that offense could always get them back into it. But when you're playing a team like Wake Forest, you can't get behind early. You can't go down 6-0 in the second inning and hope that you're going to come back like you did last weekend because it's not going to happen. They've got too many good arms. And so Luke Holman, Jacob McNary, Garrett McMillan, those guys are going to have to match the performances that come across the way. And if you do that and you get yourself in a 2-2, 3-3 baseball game late, you know, you've been here before. You've played SEC teams all season long. You've been in one-run games against Auburn and, you know, Vandy and all these talented teams. Once, if you can get yourself late into the ball game when it turns into a bullpen game, I, I think that they can definitely win. You know, this weekend, but you have it, it has to start. It has to start in inning number one. You have to get three good starts um, or two. You know, if they were to go in there and just win both of them, that's right. They probably won't. But you have to get two or three good starts. You cannot go down early. You can't let Wake Forest put up a crooked number in the first couple innings, or you're not, you're going to be out of luck or even very fast. Kind of switching gears just for one second. Nick Saban's going to uh, Washington, D.C. to talk about NIL. What are you expecting him to say, and what do you think about uh, Saban's opinion on, on NIL at this point in time? Yeah, I think he's going to say um, similar things that we've been hearing from him. And, you know, it's he understands that and he wants, you know, his athletes to make money and earn money based off what they're doing. Um, but there has to, and I agree, there has to be some kind of regulation there. Um, you can't turn college football and, and really college basketball, baseball, any, any college sport at this point into, you know, professional sports. You just can't, and it'll get too crazy. It'll get out of hand. And, and it, 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 it makes sense why this is happening right now. Um, because we kind of were a no pay thing for so long. I mean, the history of college sports and then out of nowhere, it's just boom. Now NIL is a thing. And at that point, you're just too behind. And there was no way to catch up. Um, and so these last couple of years, there's just been no regulation. The NCAA hasn't stepped in. There, there's been no rules. And so it's turning into just, hey, we'll give you the most money. Come play for us. And then it's just, okay, well, now we're just into NFL free agency. So what's, what are we – like, we're going to lose the sport that everybody loves so much if it continues to go in that direction. Um, so I think that's what his main point is going to be in D.C. And I don't know who knows if it's going to you know work out and if anything's going to change right now. But um, I think it does mean something that you know the figurehead, if you will, of, the, of college football is trying to do something to kind of make it more fair for everybody. Because this is not just you know oh he's just doing this because Deion Sanders and and you know all these other people are are paying more money than he will and he doesn't want to do that and. He, he is completely fine with, with people making money, and we saw Bryce Young, and we've seen Will Anderson and uh, Brandon Miller, all these other guys make so much money in college already, and they've mm-hmm. earned that right. Um, but he just doesn't want it to start at the high school level, where we're recruiting players just based off of, hey, here's how much money you can make here, here's how much money you can make there. He wants it to be a more of a level playing field, or, or it's going to be you know Alabama, LSU, a couple others, Florida, and then everybody else. So um he doesn't want that he wants it to kind of stay where it is and and everybody have a chance to get players and it's not just because you know how much money they're getting but because of the color of the jersey and the school that they love austin hannon of bama central joins us every wednesday at 3 30 here on the uh on the line on espn 1067 austin as always man it's always enjoyable to talk to you and getting us caught up on all things alabama let everybody know where they can keep up with you and all your fantastic work yeah so uh, i'll be headed down 
for us, I should say, to Winston-Salem, North Carolina this weekend. So all right. If you're interested in that, um, I will be down there. BamaCentral.com is the, the, the home of all things I'm doing, writing-wise. And then AustinHand underscore on Twitter. Um, it's a new username, so uh, <laughs> it's separate from what I've been doing. Uh, but I, I think it was a little bit more simple, and I'm going with that now. So AustinHand underscore um, and BamaCentral.com. Awesome, man. Well, hey, have a great trip and enjoy covering the Super Regional at Wake Forest. Absolutely, and we're just two wins away, and I get to you know do something that I've wanted to do my entire you know life, if you will, and go to Omaha. So we're going to hope for the best. Obviously, cover the things objectively, but uh, if Alabama wins and I get to go to Omaha, you can consider me a happy man. There you go, man. Well, safe travels. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Absolutely. See you, guys. That is Austin Hannon of Bama Central. Again, he joins us every Wednesday at 3.30 here on On the Line. we got to get to our final break. We'll come back and wrap it up here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. Wrapping up the Wednesday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. Been a great show today. We had Jordan Hill back on the show of Dogs 247 in hour number one. Also just got off the phone with Austin Hannon of Bama Central. Uh, So getting you all caught up on the two biggest rivals of your Auburn Tigers, the Georgia Bulldogs and the Alabama Crimson Tide. If you missed any of those interviews or our conversations about I had some good scheduling conversation with Auburn football and this upcoming schedule this year i had some pga and live tour conversation as well and so been a great show if you missed any of it go and catch up with the podcast today espnau.com it's posted there commercial free every single day and also just search on the line wherever you get your podcast uh stay tuned though the drive with bill cameron and dan peck coming up from four to six uh it is wednesday so they will have jason caldwell in studio for hour number one so be sure you stay tuned for that um but overall, yeah, great show again. Go check it out, ESPNAU.com. If you missed yesterday's show, uh, we had Andy Burcham on. We had the voice of the Auburn Tigers. We had Ben Taylor, and we also had Lance Dahl. And so tomorrow coming up, uh, we uh, believe I have confirmation from Lindsey Crosby that he'll be in studio for hour number one. And then Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast, will join us in hour number two. So been a busy week here on the show. It rolls on tomorrow. So come back two to four right here on ESPN 106.7. That'll be the Thursday edition of On the Line. But until then, stay safe. I'll talk to you later.